Okay, so I'm going to just share for about 20 minutes, Angela will share for about another 20 minutes, and then we're going to do uh, a workshop time together, um, just to help explore some of the things we've been touching on. Um, the world has changed through visions from God. Next slide. Some names off the bottom, but anyway, what do these people have in common? What would you suggest? Somebody say vision. They all had visions, but what's significant? And I've got Samuel, Manoah, Samson, Cornelius, Paul as well. They all had, we could say, major initiatory visions it's like they were just walking at whatever their life happened to be and God broke in changed their life changed their circumstances of, around them changed their nation and really changed the world so the, the breaking in of visions is a major way the Lord advances his redemptive purposes. Now we come back to the quote we had this morning, a true prophet is helpless without the inbreaking of God. Which kind of puts the prophet in a <laughs> somewhat of a tension, doesn't he, in his walk with the Lord. But nevertheless, if, if one is called in prophetic ministry or as a prophetic person, we can expect the Lord to break in on regular occasions and we can just you know, walk to make ourselves available, positioned and ready. Um, we'll take the next slide. So uh, we were at a, a, a Cairn workshop last Saturday here where um, we were building into the Cairn movement with some church leaders and um, some of you may be familiar of, uh, with this slide from Cairn or CDM or different contexts. Who's familiar with this slide already? Quite a number. Um, so it's, it's designed to advance our walk with the Lord and our learning with the Lord and life change in the discipleship context, although it's got wider applications. As I reflected on this, um, so it's based on the scripture... Uh, Repent and believe the gospel. So repent is a change of mind. Believe is a change of walk and lifestyle. And then there's a sequence. We observe, reflect, discuss, plan, account and act. But it commences with a, some kind of inbreaking from God. And in that connection we can relate it to the parable of the sower. You know, the sower sows the word. And then we're responsible for outworking that word so it brings good fruit and not getting distracted or letting the thorns grow, etc. But as I looked at that, I thought, hmm, in the middle they had written what is, what could be, what will be. I thought, well, that's very prophetic language. Very prophetic language. So we could say the Kairos revelatory moment is the inbreaking of God. 
a vision happened. The Lord speaks a prophetic word. We just get a revelation from Scripture. Um, but if we are ministering prophetically, actually, we may be helping people anywhere around this circle. And I think that's some helpful wisdom to understand. Um, but, but even that inbreaking will be still a revelatory moment. So it's kind of both things happening together. But you know, when we're ministering prophetically, we, we sometimes are addressing what is. And we're addressing what could be. And we're also saying what will be. This is the promise of the Lord. Not all prophecies are, we could say, uh, inevitable. Some the Lord says this is, this is going to be. But most of them, and I would say the essential nature of New Covenant prophecy is promise. This is what will be if we walk with the Lord. Vision has an important part in this which we'll explore a little bit more. Before we go to the next slide, let's go in our Bibles to Zechariah. Naomi was mentioning about Zechariah, so it's Matthew back a few pages. At least it was last time I looked in my Bible. Do you find that with the minor prophets? Every time you look in the Bible, the minor prophets are in a different place, aren't they, to where they were last time? Uh, we're in chapter 3. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll just tell you the circumstance. So it's in the context of restoring Jerusalem... And the Lord is ministering in, through prophetic word to Zerubbabel, the son of Zechariah, who was the governor, and Joshua, the high, who was the high priest. So this vision concerns Joshua, and Satan is accusing him. The Lord rebukes Satan. Now Joshua, he was standing in filthy garments. Now when we hear filthy garments, what other scripture does that immediately pull us to? Isaiah? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Okay? And the Lord says, give him a new garment and a new uh, turban. So he has a change of garment. So what generally does a garment represent in Scripture? Who can tell me? Anointing is part of it. Anything else? Covering. Covering. Something else? Righteousness. I would say that the bottom line one is, is righteousness and then other things go with that. Um, like in Isaiah, it says, He's clothed me with the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. So basically, he's been positioned in the righteousness of Christ. That's the picture. Um, I had a dream last night, after Barbara kindly prayed for us. Uh, I'll not give you all the details, but basically, uh, in the stream, um, I was seeing loudspeakers and power cables. So what's, what would you suggest a loudspeaker might represent, you know, one of these things? Proclamation. Sorry? Proclamation. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Sorry? The intensity of sound increasing. Intensity of sound increasing. See, for me, in my personal language... Uh, it represents prophetic ministry. 
because it helps people here. Now you don't need that if you're standing next to me and I'm speaking to you. So that's the nature of New Covenant Prophetic Ministry. It's an aid, but it's not a replacement to people walking closely with the Lord. Um, and these, they needed to be connected, obviously, into the power to work. So what's that telling us about? Yeah, we need, for the prophetic ministry to work properly, it needs to be properly connected into the power. And what I'm suggesting to you in this verse is here is the power connection. Because if you read in verse 6 and 7, the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. So he's positioned in his new robe, which is the righteousness of Christ. Christ is our righteousness. We're, he is our perfect righteousness. So if you will wear this robe, walk in my ways, and perform my service. That's basically meaning, if you will be responsive to the Holy Spirit, putting it in New Covenant language, then you will govern my house, and you will also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access amongst those who are standing here. Now, where was he standing, and who were with him? He was standing in heaven, and it was all the angels. So basically, in the righteousness of Christ, being responsive to the Holy Spirit, that's, we could say, the source of power to stepping by faith anytime we want into the revelatory dimension. Can you get that? So there is a sense in which God takes the initiative, but there's another sense in which if we don't understand who we are in Christ, if we don't understand our identity as born again, people of God, in clothed with the righteousness of Christ, anointed by the Holy Spirit, we will have a short circuit, or there will be no power. So that's just very quickly. So this, that is, we could say, the start of the inbreaking of God. So we'll move to the next slide. Nature of vision. So this is a very quick overview from Scripture, as I've seen it, just thinking about it very quickly. It's not exhaustive by any means of the nature of visions. A vision, it's a revelatory inbreaking of God with a major visual content. I think we can all understand and accept that without any problem. And it, whether it's an open vision we see with our natural eyes or a spiritual internal vision. And basically, let me ask you, who, show me with your hands, who would prefer to watch a movie than read the script of a movie? Well, everybody. And this is it, isn't it? The vision, the visionary impacts us at a much greater dimension than just the verbal aspect. Nevertheless, in a vision, there may still be a lot of verbal content. We see that in many uh, visions in Scripture, you know, the Word of the Lord. And the fact the Word of the Lord may be the emphasis, but nevertheless, there's a huge visual content which needs to be processed. Um, as we've said, they generally come uninvited. The Lord takes the initiative. So it's best not to seek visions. Like we're having a crisis if we don't get one. You understand? The Lord chooses the way he communicates. He can ask the Lord to speak to you and then we give him the permission to speak in whichever way he chooses to do so. And the normal way he chooses to speak to us is through the still small voice. But nevertheless, be ready, expectant. So we go to the next slide. Some types of visions. Visions of the Lord. 
himself. Obviously they're quite common in scripture, but we see these probably in two main categories. When the Lord's appearing in a human form, uh, the angel of the Lord, when it's referred to in the Old Testament, often is the Lord himself or the pre-incarnate Jesus. And that appears to be connected with a commissioning of somebody. Uh, or it may be of the Lord in his glory on the throne. So Ezekiel's visions, some of Daniel's visions, Revelation. And they appear to be more connected with, we could say, the Lord's judgment. The Lord is on his throne and he's making a judgment. Or we could say, the Lord is on his throne and he's making a change. He's changing some things. He's putting some wrong things right. Now just a note of caution, it's very easy to say this is a judgment prophecy but what does that mean? I think it's a word we use too simply and too glibly Um, I'm slowly, slowly, slowly trying to move towards we could say a theology of judgment and how do we apply that in a, a new covenant context, you know, is the Lord judging the UK is the Lord judging America. You know, we hear prophecies like, oh, the Lord's coming down with a judgment against us. <laughs> but how does that work in a new covenant context when by faith we can step into grace? So it needs a lot of uh, wisdom. But nevertheless, we look in Scripture, there are visions when the Lord is on his throne, Old Testament and New Testament, and he's making a change. He's pronouncing judgment, but he's saving those who have a heart for him. So the best way to look at Revelation is not at the bad things, but at the good things. Okay? Um, then there's visions and encounters with angels. Seem, they seem to be mainly connected with the, the giving of specific instructions and promises. But, you know, that's, you can probably get a broader pattern than that. And then a, a large connect, uh, number of visions, we could say are parabolic visions. Many, most dreams are of this nature. We could say many pictures you might get when you're praying with somebody or in a meeting, a small group and so on. Many of these are parabolic. Parabolic. They need interpretation. Next one. Uh, There's literal visions. You know, they're giving more specific information. They facilitate God's purposes. You know, Paul... Had, saw the, the guy calling in from Macedonia, doesn't need a lot of interpretation, let's go there. Um, a couple of quick stories. Um, does anybody, is anybody familiar with the name Claudio Friedson? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He uh, is a prominent uh, pastor stroke evangelist, revivalist in Argentina. I heard him tell his story, or I can read it in his book. Basically, he, he, he had a, a congregation of about four or six old ladies. Yet he knew the hand of the Lord was on him, and he was trying to do outreach, and he was not having any success. And then suddenly the Lord gave him a vision of another part of his city. So he went there, and basically revival broke out. People were getting healed, people were getting gold teeth, suddenly... People were getting saved in the hundreds and thousands and the Lord took him to a very prominent ministry and then you know, John and Carol Arnott from Toronto, they connected with him, received impartation and then it all broke out in Toronto not very long afterwards because something clicked in the heart of John and Carol Arnott for faith, for a move of God. So vision, simple vision, 
Not that part of your city. That part of your city, revival comes. You know, it's not a massive throne room vision. It's not all the stuff of revelation. But nevertheless, through it, the Lord has changed the earth. You know, the whole earth has been impacted when you say through that one simple little vision. Another story I read of just a couple of days ago. Uh, it's not a vision as such, but it's a prophetic word. But in the, the early Pentecostal movement in Asusa Street, some Swedish pastors uh, who were visiting, they had several prophetic words saying, go to Kala, go to Kala. And they didn't know where Kala was. And when they looked it up, it was a place in Brazil, the place, and I think it was Kala, Colombia as well, but they, they found a place in Brazil. So they went to Brazil, found a very small Baptist church, and uh, just started doing a work there. Some people got saved, and then through the people who got saved, suddenly a revival broke out. 10,000 people got saved, and 100 years later, more than a quarter of the country is walking with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. So, simple little inbreakings of God. You know, we're called to be faithful in what we're given to do, but yet we're called to be expectant, ready. For God to break in and open up new things. Um, there are visions for teaching, understanding. So many people when they get saved or getting saved, they, the Lord may give them the vision of the cross. That's just simply, I want you to understand this. Uh, we have a, somebody we know, uh, a missionary in the States, but he was a missionary in Venezuela. And... Um, and the Lord sent him with his wife to go to this Amazonian jungle, it wasn't Amazon, it was Venezuelan jungle tribe. They'd never had any contact with the Western world before. When he got there, he found they were already saved. Because somebody had had a dream or a vision about the cross. He'd written it all down and explained it and they taught the whole village. And part of his vision was there'd be a white man coming with his wife and family and would teach you some more. Wow. Um, so, powerful, powerful dimension from God. Some of Zechariah's visions are, are teaching, some of them are more parabolic. Now we can have visions for ourselves, they're not really for ourselves, but it's kind of, we're the recipient and we've got to do a lot of processing of it first before it becomes, we could say, released. But then we might, there are visions we get for other people. Like we're in a prayer ministry setting, we just see something and it's just for the, specifically for the other person. And we're being a prophetic person to the other one. But that requires skilled and gracious communication, as we've already commented. Now, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Andrew, who are all these guys? Levi? Sorry? Disciples, and you got Mary Magdalene and other people. They had a walking, talking vision of the incarnate Son of God for three and a half years and longer. Basically, they had open vision of God in the flesh. We don't think of it in that terms, do we? We, we kind of think, oh, we're fantastic to get a John type revelation vision but actually that was the most profound visionary experience because Jesus was modelling what it is like for God in man to be manifest 
on the earth. Vision made flesh. So we're going to go to the next slide. Purpose of visions. They capture our attention in an impacting way. So Moses at the burning bush need to look at this. Like something grabs us, you know, Naomi was talking about how we can, our emotions are part of that, and it's true, but nevertheless the Lord is grabbing us and he's taking us in because he wants to do this big change. So he's pulling us into it. Um, It provokes the seeking of the Lord, it may require interpretation to understand the fullness Uh, And visions also bring an encounter with the reality and the nature of God. This changes us at a core level through the connection of the work of the cross. The vision of Isaiah is a good example of that. You know, woe is me if I'm undone. It's kind of, I'm in a process at the moment when I come, I'm saying to Jesus, I want just to see more and more of you. And yes, the more I pray, the more frightened I get. It might happen. You understand? Because how will I respond when I see, when I know him in his glory? Frightening thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm still praying it. Um, so we mustn't be ready to be changed. We can't, a vision from God fundamentally changes us. Visions bring in very new paradigm or we could say model of how we understand things connected with the major advancement of the redemptive purposes of God. You know, Peter seeing these animals, unclean animals being brought down leading to the Gentiles coming into the kingdom uh, is, a, is a great example of that. The design to completely blow our thinking and to change us into a new way of walking with God. Change the earth into a new way of walking with God. We might even find our theology gets moulded and adjusted and we say corrected a bit through that. Um, what's the real nature of things and circumstances? So, you know, it was mentioned earlier, the uh, Elisha's servant, his eyes were opened and they suddenly saw there's a whole new dimension now. You know, the situation's totally changed now. Next slide. Bring a revelation of future hope and promise of God. Some are for outworking in the near future. Some require a waiting on the Lord. Some visions may be many years before they open up. If we are genuinely called and walking as a prophet, this may not even be in our lifetime. Now that's quite something to walk with. That really is something to walk with. Um, And we just don't know. We just don't know. So it, it puts a caution on us blowing our own trumpet about the vision we've had. I've had this great vision. <laughs> you know, are you ready for it? Yet the season may not be until, you know, 30 years after you're with the Lord. Wow. Um, a lot more we say than that, but we won't think about that. But the whole thing is 
they bring great results in the earth of people finding the Lord, churches established, nations transformed, communities brought to health. And that's the good fruit which Christ is wanting to bring. So we're waiting and expecting. Next uh, slide, our, so our response. So if we do get something, we should subject it to what I call peer review with other mature prophetic people to validate what we've received and to obtain the fullness of understanding of it. You know, let the prophet speak, one prophet speak, the others weigh the word. Nothing is private in that sense. Um, and it keeps us safe. Uh, and then the vision requires outworking through faith, patience, prayer, obedience, waiting on the Lord. Um, Paul said, you know, had his vision of Jesus, gave his call, it's a lifelong call, and he says, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. But that wasn't a tomorrow thing, that was all of his life thing. And there were phases in how that worked. So it takes time, it takes time to steward the vision takes time, takes years but it depends on the nature of what we've received you understand, you know, it might be just a picture for a moment that's very fine and it's done a job but some things may take years however, if the bigger the thing the more it's going to come into attack so we can normally expect misunderstanding we can normally expect being buffeted by the flesh of other people. We can normally expect enemy attack, uh, often coming in from the blind side. We can normally expect wilderness times before realization. You know, if we want to walk as a prophet, I say, carry a brick in your bag. Because prophets get stoned according to the scripture. So if you bash yourself on the head with your brick now and again, it gets over more quickly. <laughs> the vision separates us. So the vision actually brings us into a consecration. It's like it, we're positioned to steward that vision in some way. Now, it can be a personal thing, but you know the reason why we want to do these things together is so that we're carrying the load together and we're not just on our own. And I think that is the way of the Lord. So we must remain connected to the body. We must. Even we could say the non-prophetic community who may just think we're living in cloud cuckoo land. We must keep connected because we need them just as much as they need us. And there's a tension in that. We need to live with that tension. Next uh, slide. Visions often initiate people into an ongoing facility to hear the word of the Lord and receive visionary revelation. So most of these people you see in scripture, it wasn't the first time they heard the Lord, it wasn't the last time they heard the Lord. It kind of opened something, a dimension opened up for them. So basically, it takes us into prophetic and leadership ministry. So if we're having something from the Lord, hold the vision in hand prayerfully, expectantly, Patiently, And going back to Jesus, I think the important thing is we need to become the vision. 
Even if, you know, if we receive something from the Lord, it's not academic, you know, what is the truth of what we're seeing? We need to, however it is possible for us, model the reality in our walk with God of what we're seeing. Be the vision. And what Barbara was exhorting us last night, you know, to to use the revelatory to impact people with the reality of the goodness of God, to bring them into saving faith. So what does that mean? So walk with God that he is in you, so walk connected with his power, so that he is in you and on you and flowing out through your pores, whether you're conscious of it or not. Be the vision. Be the vision. Actually, that's, I would say that's more powerful than receiving a vision. Be the vision. Be the incarnate Christ, the manifestation of the fullness of God to people wherever we are. So, Lord, just bless your word to us. Seal it in our hearts. And I'll hand over to Angela. Revelation. So we're looking at new vision for new season, following on from this morning of what Stephen's just said. And as you all know, if you've read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of sevens in the book of Revelation. The number seven, it speaks of completeness, it speaks of fullness. We're entering into a season where God wants to bring fullness. And so we need to be seeing with a fullness of seeing. So in Revelation 1 verse 4, there are seven churches and there are seven spirits which are before or in the face or the gaze or the presence of the throne. In Revelation 1.12, there are seven golden candlesticks that's lampstands, and these are the seven churches. So here scripture is interpreting scripture. In Revelation 4 verse 5, there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne of God, or in the midst of the throne of God, um, in the presence of the throne of God, which are the seven spirits of God. So imagine this lampstand, And on the lampstand is a burning lamp. So the lampstand is the church. The burning lamp is the spirit of God. This is not seven spirits. This is seven sevenfold aspect of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one person of the Trinity. He's not an it. He is a person. He is a one person. But these are speaking of facets, aspects of the Holy Spirit, these burning lamps, which are on the lampstands, which represent the church. Revelation 5 verse 6, the lamb, that's Jesus, who is the lion of tribe of Judah in the verse before, is a lamb as if slain in the midst of the throne. He has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So this is the spirit of Christ who is the Holy Spirit, and this 
is connected with the spirit and authority and power. The horn represents authority and power through scripture and strength. So strength and authority and power are connected to the working of the Holy Spirit here. So next slide. I'm building up a picture here. So in the tabernacle, when it's talking about a candlestick, it's talking about a candlestick like this, a seven-branched candlestick where all these branches are connected. Now in Revelation, the apostle prophet John, he is walking in the midst of the lampstands, it said. So, but there were seven. So we're piecing pieces together here. Just like you have to piece pieces together with Ezekiel's vision of the living creatures and John's vision of the living creatures. They're both seeing things from their viewpoint that the Holy Spirit shows them from. And we piece the pictures together. Okay. So you can see it's, it's one, but it's seven. Yeah? Next. In Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. That's a messianic prophecy. The, the rod and the branch are messianic prophecies about Jesus, and they occur in other parts of the Old Testament. Isaiah 11, 2, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And this is generally taken to be sevenfold aspect there. You've got the spirit of the Lord. Now you would, if we went back to that uh, candlestick, that would be the main branch, the spirit of the Lord. And off from that are these pairs, um, and back again to Isaiah, are these pairs, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, and knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I was teaching in One Nation last year about vision and, you know, a broad aspect of vision. And I've got several days to do it, so I'm giving you a bit of distilled stuff from that time. And um, the Lord showed me that this scripture in Isaiah connected with those scriptures in Revelation and then some scriptures in those uh, chapters in Zechariah that Stephen was mentioning, which we'll come on to in a minute. It's talking about a fullness of seeing. And in the church, we have, because in other scriptures, both in, uh, it says of Jesus' eyes, you've got seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits. So the, the eyes of Jesus are sevenfold. Now, I think so far in the prophetic community, we've worked a lot on the spirit of revelation, basically, which is only a little part of what we have there, which could be a bit of a bit of this knowledge, really. And so people, they hear a prophet, and this prophet might be full of words of knowledge, and people go, oh, that's a prophet, that's a real prophet. Yeah, that is a prophet, but that's only one aspect of a prophet. Because the eyes are sevenfold, and that is one part, that is one fold view. And that's absolutely perfectly fine, for that prophet because they're doing their job but the total of the church we're going to see this sevenfold aspect seeing which includes all these facets so i'm stretching it out today 
to understand that there's more ways of seeing than just seeing revelatory knowledge type stuff. And I'm going to just look at what a tiny bit of the meaning of these facets are. But I just want to show you a few. So that's, next slide. Um, my study of where these words occur in scripture, you find that often occurring at least in combinations of two, like wisdom and knowledge, or um, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That so at least two, that, that they're, they're paired in that candlestick type thing in Isaiah 11. But in lots of other scriptures, you've got two, three, and four in one verse of these words together. So there's this dynamic of the fullness of seeing, the fullness of what God wants to release. You see, where, were, where was John seeing? He was in the throne room. This is throne room seeing, and it's far greater than we are yet seeing. Now, that's not a problem, because the Lord has brought us much further than we, we were um, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. But he's now saying it's a new season, it's new vision, there's a fullness he now wants to bring forth uh, to the body of Christ, which has been coming alive in its ability to see and hear from the Lord. He wants to increase it to a fullness, and it's going to uh, contain some of these facets. So I did a study, and you find basically that there's every combination of those seven, they combine with each other all the time, at least in pairs of two, but sometimes in pairs of three and four and five, even in with one verse. Um, so they work together, and it's like really the gifts of the Spirit. You know, you, you can't really, when you're dealing with a prophecy, it's, it can have several gifts of the Spirit in it at the same time. And so you can't really separate these. We've been living on a little tiny bit of it, but now the Lord's speaking fullness over the seeing body of Christ. Now this seeing was in the lamb who was slain. Now John saw the lion. A lion is often the, the lionish Lord who can but prophesy to speak of the prophets. The roaring speaks of the prophets but they've got to do it from this lamb-like nature and this understanding of the new covenant and the finished work of Christ and seeing through the finished work of Christ, seeing through the new covenant and that's in the throne room, this is throne room seeing. This is sevenfold seeing. Next slide. Again, I've just I've done that to just show the same thing, where each of these give each of these facets of the seeing of the Holy Spirit or of the eye of Jesus, the Lamb, they all can, they all touch each other. They all touch each other. Next slide. Um, so I just. I've put up here, and I'll put it up again at the end when we're going to do a practice with this, but uh, I've put up some very short definitions of, of this. I just want to actually look at my other notes on this as well. So wisdom um, speaks of wisdom, skill, and how to. It's got a lot of creativity in it, this wisdom. Because it's a how-to, it's like Bezazel, who took the revelation of Moses on the mountain about how to, of, of the, the pattern of the tabernacle, and he and the skilled workmen with him, with skill and wisdom, they built the tabernacle. 
So that's, that's the type of wisdom that we're talking about. Understanding, it means to separate mentally, distinguish, discern, perceive, gain insight and teach. It's understanding, it brings together wisdom, it brings together an ability to discern and um, an insight, the light coming on from God. Now let me see. Uh, and this understanding is connected to building. To apostolic building when you look into the meaning of the word. Council. Uh, advice, plan, purpose, again, prudence, again, there's a wisdom in with that uh, planning and strategy you're talking about there, even a, a warfare type strategy. But the word is also connected to a word where you have a council of elders and the word is connected to uh, that which is firm and that which is solid like a tree that's upright and firm. Now the elders, their characteristics were supposed to be upright and firm and then they could release counsel and advice. So it going back to the standing in our identity and authority in Christ and it's it's a council that enables a ruling and a governing uh, might this is the power element of the spirit it's the but it's got victory and it's a, a, a warrior it's to do with strength and it's to do with bravery and it's to do with courage knowledge uh, to know by seeing, to ascertain by seeing, knowledge that comes by observation. Knowledge that comes is an experiential knowledge. Knowledge that comes from experience, not just from theory. Uh, again, it's got perception, discernment, wisdom in it. You can see how even from the definitions of these words, they, they, they weave together and you can't really separate them. And then we've got fear of the Lord which is this awe of God. This uh, honour and respect to holding awe, cause astonishment and awe. Godly fear, stand in awe. The knowledge is also, going back to knowledge number five, it's an intimate knowledge, it's a knowledge from intimacy. And... uh, Or, or a, a fear of the Lord, where one throws oneself to the foot of the one in authority. This is a an awe and, and a fear that leads to respect, but also to a it's a worship. It produces the fear of the Lord is it's not a wrong terror. It's got an awe of God and a worship. It's got a worship in it. The best way I could describe this when I was talking about it, um, when I was teaching about it a few weeks ago, is when so much of the presence comes into the room that God takes over. And we know when to when we've got a part to partner with God, but when God comes in like this with the fear and awe of God, he is coming to be God. And we go down on our face and we let God be God. And we are quiet 
we don't mess around, we don't rustle about, we are in his presence. And I've been in meetings like that, and when God comes like that, out of that, awesome results. In one nation a couple of years ago, this happened in a women's conference I was in, and the presence of God came in like that, and the next day, in that place where we had the conference, people, the staff in that hotel started to want to know about Jesus and get saved. And it came out of that encounter, and I said to the other person that was helping to teach at that conference with me, I said, we need to be careful now what we do. We can do some stuff, but we need to be careful because the awe of God came into the room and nobody moved. Nobody moved. You didn't hear a rustling, you didn't hear anything. This was the awe of God came into the room. But he did something that affected that place and people in the very conference place started to want to know Jesus and to get saved. That's talking about the fear of the Lord. Next slide. I've just done that like that. Um, you see, Jesus is light, and in him we see light. He is the light of the world. And it, it's like, this is just a picture, it's just a parable to help us understand what this sevenfold is like. You see, when you put light through a prison, so that's like light through the eyes of Jesus. When we see through the eyes of Jesus, there are these different aspects that we can see and we can work with. Wisdom, knowledge, fear of the Lord, etc., etc. And uh, you see that two prisms, it goes back to the, the white light. And if you have several prisms, which is that bottom picture, you start to get combinations of colours, which is when you get these combinations that I showed you of these seven working together in different, in different ways. Next slide. Okay, so seven. I just want to do a, a quick scan across scripture. There's far more, but we can't talk about this today. We don't have time to talk about set the number seven right through scripture. But I just want to bring out a few a few facets, um, like we've seen. We'll go back to Revelation, uh, Revelation five verse one. There were seven seals in a book, and somebody saw that book last night when we were in worship. And the book, when you study it out, is the book of inheritance. So a sevenfold seeing enables the Lord to release heaven on earth, the inheritance of heaven on earth. So this is a seeing that leads to release of inheritance and release of fullness of inheritance when we study out that um, Revelation chapter 5. It's a jubilee when everything gets restored, full restoration, full inheritance. This is the, this is the seeing. Um, Revelation 5 verse 6 we've said lambs is slain in the midst of the throne with seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits sent out into all the earth that word sent out these seven spirits which are the seven eyes which are not seven eyes God doesn't have seven eyes he's not like some weird cyclops thing with seven eyes he, it's sevenfold seeing it's a, a complete a full seeing an all round seeing um, but these, the spirits, spirit of God sent out. That word is apostello, and that's it's an apostolic seeing that the Lord is bringing to the church in this sevenfold seeing. Now, going back to Zechariah, this seeing is for building. <coughs> Zechariah three verse nine. 
it talks about a stone which would remove the iniquity of the nation in one day. That's speaking about Jesus on the cross. In one day, he took away the sin of the nation, the sin of the world. And he's that stone, this chief cornerstone, this stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And it says in this stone, who is Christ, the sure foundation stone, are seven eyes, which are the, is the eye of the Spirit. So this seeing is, in, is a seeing to build the foundations. It's a seeing to see what God wants built. And that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 12 and, is that, and 1 Corinthians 14 says. It says prophecy is to build. So there's going to be a focus in this season of the prophetic people. We're not washing about with the provisions here and the provisions there. It becomes intent and it becomes strategic and working with the apostolic to see things built. This is the seeing that the Lord will want to start to bring to the prophetic people. And so we start to have to start to see and understand even what the apostles are wanting to do and wanting to enter into their vision in order to see uh, and help them in what we are seeing so that they can build. And so we're going to have to learn as prophetic people to um, understand the, the vision of, of our situation, the vision of our church, the vision of our network of churches, the, the vision, and then the prophetic people, they build into that vision. They don't start prophesying over here, over here, and causing confusion. We learn to let the Lord focus this vision so it's for building, and, and building in specific ways. We become very strategic. Uh, Zechariah 4.2, golden candlestick again. Uh, again, it's with seven lamps and seven pipes. 4.10, these are the seven eyes of the Lord which run to and fro across the whole earth. And if you go further down in that chapter, and further down in the chapter in Isaiah, it's talking about the Lord filling the earth with his glory in Isaiah 11. This sevenfold seeing, this fullness of seeing, it goes along with the fullness of what the Lord wants to release into the earth, which is the fullness of his glory. The fullness of the knowledge of the glory. The fullness of the knowledge of him being released into the earth. This is the day in which we are living. Revelation has seven angels, the seven trumpets, the seven thunders, the seven stars, which are the angels and the messengers of the churches of the stars. So there's a lot we could say about that. Um, a lot happening from the throne and from heaven. Uh, this, so this seeing involves seeing what the angels are doing, seeing into heaven, see what's happening in heaven, what God's releasing from his throne. Lots of sevens to do with uh, strategy, prophetic warfare strategy that sees uh, things broken open. Like Jericho was all about seven, seven days, seven times round, seven priests, seven trumpets, and the walls came down. There were seven nations in Canaan which were destroyed. And it says in another place, they come against you one way and they flee seven ways. So this seeing is a, a sevenfold seeing brings a victory and strategy to uh, win warfare. Then we can see there was 
uh, feeding of the 4,000, a, a miracle, a creative miracle, seven loaves and a few fish and seven baskets left. So seven is a, a seeing that releases creative miracles. This sevenfold seeing is full of forgiveness and mercy and compassion. Because Jesus said, when you forgive, you forgive 70 times seven. Uh, there were seven deacons and the, in Acts and they were full of the Holy Spirit. So seven speaks of a fullness of the Spirit, a fullness of being full of the Spirit, we'll see fully. Uh, they sprinkled the blood seven times, so this is, again it goes back to a seeing through the finished work of Jesus, a new covenant seeing. Seven speaks of rest, it speaks of Sabbath, it speaks of Jubilee, because you go seven times seven, and then the next year is the Jubilee. So we're speaking of seeing from rest and peace. This is not a trying and an effort. Uh, Tabernacles was in the seventh month. This is a seeing that's connected to God abiding and remaining and dwelling with his people. He's not coming on a little visit. He's coming to remain rest and remain and this seeing goes with with that seven is connected to covenant so this seeing is a covenant seeing a new covenant seeing okay so that's i've gone through that quickly so we get a flavor of where we're going with this season we're going to go and work on it a little bit more now in groups so how many people have got here about 30 people so we can have about six, seven groups. Let me see. Yeah, if we can have seven groups, so that's about four people in each group. So if we go for four people in each group, if you go, if we can get in some groups, just turn around to people near you. Everybody's going to do a bit of an exercise that works on, on this. Communication. 
And you look at this list down the side, which are these seven-fold aspects of the Spirit of God, these seven-fold aspects of seeing. And with Revelation, you think, which are the primary facets that go with Revelation? <coughs> so you would say, for example, you would say knowledge is one of the primary facets. And sort of list them in a, in, a, in, a, in a short order, say, which are the primary ones which will come next and which would be the, in there that would not be as primary as another. But then you go to interpretation, and there would be a different one, which was a primary facet. And then you would go to uh, application, which is a primary facet of application, and which is a primary facet of communication. And list the seven in a sort of graded order. Uh, it, you know, you can't say this dogmatically, but I'm doing this to get you to think about how these permutations work so we stretch our minds to think wider than only knowledge in the area of prophecy. There's more, there's more to prophecy. It's full of understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and fear of the Lord, etc., etc. And if you want an example of the Spirit of the Lord, of course, it's Isaiah 61, and it brings everything together. Why are we seeing like this? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach the good news, to set the captive seat free, to see people released, to speak the year of Jubilee, etc. To build the ancient foundations, and we can go on in that chapter. But that's the reason the Lord is releasing this sevenfold seeing. We'll, we'll major on these six because we need to think about these six facets. So that's group A, that's what you're thinking about. You get what I'm talking about? Yeah. So this is group uh, B and you're looking into Ephesians 4 which is a fivefold ministry and I want you to take apostle, prophet and evangelist and think about uh, each one of those, one, two, and three, and think with an apostle, which would be a primary primary way of seeing for an apostle, which would be primary way of seeing for a prophet, and which would be primary way of seeing for an evangelist, and grade those six down, um, and it will, be, it will be starting with a different one for each of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, because they all see in a different way. So you're doing the first three. Next group, who's the next group? Here, you're doing Ephesians 4, but you're doing the shepherd, pastor, shepherd stroke pastor, and the teacher, and you're thinking about how the shepherd sees, which is which are primary ways he sees, which are other facets that he sees less through that aspect, and you do it for the shepherd and the teacher. Are you okay for that? Get that, guys? Okay? Right, that's you. That's B part two. Right, C. This is you. And if you take, let me see how many groups I've got. One, two, three, four, five, six groups. Okay, so I've got nine, fifteen. Okay. So if you take um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and so if you take one, two, and six. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and prophecy, and you do the same thing, we grade these ways of seeing, because they'll be different for those gifts. Now, I'll change that around. If you do word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, and healing, 
you do those first four, that gives you more dif the differential of what they're seeing and the order they're seeing. Okay, great. So that's a one thing as well. This is the Gibson spirit. And this, this group over there, you are doing uh, miracles, prophecy, and if you do uh, five to nine on that list, and the ways of seeing will be different for each of those different gifts of the spirit. And so if you can do gradations for each of those, think about that. Uh, and then we've got three groups here. So if this group, if you do the first two, prophecy and serving ministry in Romans 12, and how, how people see in that way. In fact, you can do prophecy serving and teaching, first three. Then this group, you can do encouraging, giving, and uh, overseeing, and uh, encouraging, giving, and overseeing. Okay, and this group, you can do mercy in Romans, and you can also go back and do revelation, interpretation, application, and communication. So this is the script here. So yeah. Yeah, you are you are this the last part of D. Right, we understood. Yeah, but no. This this group here was the encouraging giving That's right, yeah. And uh overseeing and then that group, your mercy on the bottom list, and you can have a go at some of the top list. And you have got uh, ten minutes. And just do a bit as much of it as you can, and then I'll have a quick feedback at the end. So somebody write it down so that you can you can give us a, a flavour of what you've discovered. So I'm just going to pray. Go to pray. So Father, I thank you that you're releasing this sevenfold seeing to the church. You're, you're releasing a fullness of seeing. And so, Father, I thank you for the aspects that you are going to bring and release today for each one of us. And I just, just in the process of doing what you're doing, think which of these seven aspects you want the Lord to, to start working on that's not operating uh, for you, particularly one of these six aspects. And you can, be, you can be thinking about that while you're working on, on, the, on these groups. Father, I'm, I'm believing you're releasing something new in the way of seeing for each person here, that you stretch out the seeing of the whole body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen.
and uh, I could hear you having a very great discussion about it all. And to be honest, there's no fully right answer on this, but it's just to start to make us see things from another perspective, because we, we, we are really quite narrow in this seeing, particularly in this area of more knowledge than anything else. And you hear it when people look at a prophet and the characteristic we're looking for is how much, how much revelation knowledge does this prophet have and it's only one aspect. And what will happen when we get the seven, it does explode with this definition of uh, the, the, the glory of the Lord filling the earth and um, you know, captives being set free, healings being released, um, you know, just a fullness of restoration and inheritance. So it's exciting, and we're, we're only just starting to put our toe in the water on this, but as the Holy Spirit moves more, we'll be able to go, oh yeah, that's that, and that's that, and that's that. So that's why we're doing this, because we're only at the start of this. So if we start with this group, if you can give us um, just what we've got for, for Revelation, and we'll just go around and I'll ask you for one of the things from the group. Fear of the Lord is a really key thing. Yeah. You can't have wisdom like that. 
And but for certain experts, we went for understanding was the first. And what's the third one?
we equated knowledge with uh, revelation, understanding with interpretation, and wisdom with application. Okay. Thank you. It's good. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other ones you did with teaching, and yeah. he has knowledge, understanding, and intelligence. It's very good. We struggle with this. How many things? Is it something that we have to do it, or is it what we get past? And those things seem a little bit different. But in the end, we came up uh, encouraging with um, mind, you know, with making brave, yeah. um, knowledge and understanding yeah. to perceiving yeah. the situation. Yeah. And also has building it, so that's all very good. good. And so we took that interpretation as well, um, and begin with understanding and with knowledge that we need to cancel. I think you did a great job with that because it's not easy, but I think you, you, you've got yourself on the right lines. And what this is doing, I was just saying to Stephen, I believe it's going to make us more sharp in our seeing and our understanding with how, with how we work with the seeing and how we work with different forms of revelation, etc. Let's just stand up and pray one more prayer and we'll, we'll finish it. We did a really good job. Just think of the one that was really striking you of the six that you would like the Lord to work on a bit more in this season. Maybe you've already been strong in word of knowledge or you've already been strong in wisdom. Which of these is the Spirit highlighting that he would like to um, start to uh, bring a bit more to fullness? for you. Now he'll bring all seven in this season, but which one is he working on just now? So Father, I just thank you that for the, the one that you're bringing to mind for each person, I ask you to open this up for them, Lord. Open this aspect of seeing up for them in all its fullness and really bless them in this area. Lord, bless them in the scriptures, bless them in impartation, bless them with um, what you show them in dream and vision and Lord in, in their life in general I just thank you that you will open up um, one of these specific areas whether it be wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge of the view of the Lord you'll open up this one that they're bringing before you now in their life in a powerful way in powerful ways Father and I thank you overall in this season Lord you're going to lead us into this sevenfold seeing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I think we're going to meet back in the, in the hall. Uh, not heard the other group yet, but um, we're supposed to meet back in the group. So that was great. Thank you very much.